TII item 276, July 23rd, 2013. Apple Q2 2013 results. Welcome to Today in iPhone. Yeah, I like it a lot. Today in iPhone. Hey, Gullah! Oh, yeah! My beautiful iPhone, which I never have out of my hand and that I do everything with and has become an extension of whom I am. Today's episode is brought to you by Warby Parker. Please visit warbyparker.com to find fashionable eyewear at an affordable price. And use promo code TII when purchasing a pair of glasses to get free two-day shipping. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Rob, and this is a Today in iOS podcast. First up, I want to thank Jeffrey for sending in the music you hear in the background. Jeffrey wrote, Hi, Rob. Here's a track called In Between. I made using GarageBand on my iPhone 4S. Regards, Jeffrey. And you can find me on Twitter at, at JeffJ6. Thanks, Jeffrey, for the music. And folks, I will also put the full song at the end of the episode. I want to thank Daniel for sending in the artwork for today's show. Daniel wrote, Hey Rob, I took this photo using the camera from my iPod Touch 5th Gen and put text on it with Overgram. It's the Apple IIe. Regards, Daniel. Well, Daniel, thanks again for sending in the artwork. And you can see Daniel's artwork in the TI app and the Exodus for episode 276, or if you subscribe via iTunes on your computer as the album artwork, and also as a standalone post in the VIP section and at facebook.com slash todayinios. As always, if you have some artwork and or music you have created on your iOS device that you would like to share with the audience, please email it to me at todayinios at gmail.com. And please make sure to include which app or apps you use to create said artwork and or music. In this segment of How Wrong Were They, we have the following quote. Quote, for the first time since its introduction in 2007, Apple's iPhone is going to take a backseat at AT&T as Ma Bell prepares a glitzy launch of three Microsoft Windows 7 phones. Unquote. Scott Moritz, TheStreet.com, 1st of October, 2010. And since that time of Apple taking a backseat, the iPhone has seen between, oh, a 65 and 80% share of smartphone sales at AT&T. Just saying. For promo codes on episode 275, we are foot up chances to win promo codes for the apps Space Rage, Numble Premium, Video Stitcher, and Muse. I will be drawing for winners sometime in the next week. If you want info on those items, go back and listen to the beginning of episode 275 for the additional details. This week, we have promo codes for a couple apps and one iBook. The first app is Idle Forecast. Two words. Here is the review from the dev. Idle IT announces Idle Forecast 2.1 for iOS. This beautifully designed weather app reshapes the way users experience daily weather forecasts. Featuring a stunning interface design that reacts to current weather conditions and ambient sound to further enhance the richness of the user experience, the update has integrated social functions, enhanced graphics, additional themes, and more, providing users with a unique interactive way of displaying the weather forecast for up to eight days in advance. Idle Forecast 2.1 is only 99 cents and is available worldwide exclusively through the App Store in the weather category. For more information, visit idle-forecast.idle-it.com. Thanks to Alexi for sending in that recording about his app, Idle Forecast, and for sending in the promo codes to give away. Folks, if you would like a chance for a promo code for this app, send an email to todayinios at gmail.com and put idle iPad or idle iPhone in the subject line. You must indicate either iPad or iPhone or no soup for you. The second app we have promo codes for is the app Tube Tracker. Two words. Here is the review from the dev. My name is Andy Dryzen and I make Tube Tracker, a real-time London underground app. The four main features of Tube Tracker are live departures, line statuses, a tube and street map, and routing. There are many apps in this industry which offer similar features, but often with two serious flaws. Firstly, completeness. Because many apps merely relay the data they are provided with, there are missing trains, and sometimes missing stations. In Tube Tracker, my server has a working knowledge of every station, and will interrogate neighbouring stations to add any missing trains to the live departure boards. 
Secondly, many apps do not work well, if at all, offline. In TubeTracker, line statuses are cached, the tube and street level map are viewable and searchable, and if you need to, you can even replan your journey, all without an internet connection. I read every piece of feedback I get, and I update the app often, and I'd love to know what you think. Thank you. Andy, thanks for your review of your app, TubeTracker, and for sending in the promo codes to give away. Folks, if you would like a chance for a promo code for this app, send an email to todayinios at gmail.com and put tube in the subject line. This one, promo codes expire for shortly, so first come, first serve on the request for TubeTracker. And yes, you can request both apps this week, so soup for you. As I mentioned earlier, we also have promo codes for an iBook this week. Here is the review from the author. This is Jim Nuttall. I am the author of Dyslexia and the iPad, Overcoming Dyslexia with Technology. The dyslexia and the iPad go together hand in hand. The iPad can help you with school, work, and life. Dyslexia affects your ability to read, write, learn foreign languages, and remember phone numbers and names. The iPad is a great source of support for individuals with dyslexia. You will learn how the iPad can help you access millions of ebooks that can be read to you aloud. You will learn some tricks for making writing easier. You will also learn how there are many helpful apps that help dyslexic individuals. Don't let dyslexia defeat you. The iPad can help you achieve many goals. But dyslexia and the iPad is now available in the iBook store for $2.99. Thank you. Thanks, Jim, for your review of Dyslexia and the iPad. Folks, if you want a chance for a promo code for this iBook, put Dyslexia in the subject line and email it to me at todayinios at gmail.com. Quick reminder, if you're an app developer or an iBook author, email me if you want your app or iBook featured in the promo giveaway segment. We just need the five promo codes or more to give away. Simply email me at todayinios at gmail.com and please include a 60-second or less audio review of your app or iBook indicating you are the dev or the author. Also, when you send in the promo codes, please, 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 please make sure to let me know when they expire. This is one of our special quarterly report shows, so most of this episode is being recorded on Monday night so that once Apple announces their quarterly results, I can just record that part, put up the episode, and get it out to you pronto which means the part about Apple's quarterly results will be at the end of the episode. And some items leading up to that will be speculation that are proven wrong by the end of the episode and by the time you hear this. also want to throw a quick shout out to any of the KFest listeners. As Wednesday the 24th, I'll be doing my iOS presentation to KFest, which is the oldest and now only Apple II developers conference in the world, luckily for me. They have that conference each year here in Kansas City, and it is the one time a year I get to commune with my old 8-bit roots. Okay, again, at the end of the episode, I will have the Apple quarterly results and my thoughts thereof, and now on with the news. Well, actually, first is an email. Hello, Rob. Have you seen the app XREC from the App Store? It lets you record your iPhone screen without jailbreaking, similar to the way Display Recorder does it. It's $1.99 and probably will get pulled from the App Store. Regards, Salim from Montreal. Hi, Salim. Thanks for the heads up. I have not tested this, but from the description, it does look like a Display Recorder clone or close there, too. It just was approved on the 20th and likely will be pulled from the App Store by the time episode 277 comes out, maybe even by the time you hear this episode. So if you are a dev or anyone else looking for a way to do a screencast recording on your iOS device and don't want to or can't jailbreak, then check out XREC before it is pulled. That is assuming it's not pulled already. And the name of the app is uh, spelled X-R-E-C. That's X-R-E-C. Also, uh, make sure to read the reviews before you purchase this, as it seems this one had the red bar up at the top indicating it is recording when you're using it, and a few users didn't seem to like that. Under the category DOE comes news that the Apple Dev Center was hacked last week. So if you were wondering why it was down, that's why. Apple said, quote, Last Thursday, an intruder attempted to secure personal information of our registered developers from our developer website. Sensitive personal information was encrypted and cannot be accessed. However, 
we have not been able to rule out the possibility that some developers' names, mailing addresses, and or email addresses may have been accessed. In the spirit of transparency, we want to inform you of the issue." Unquote. Yeah, no personal info of devs was accessed. Maybe just names, mailing addresses, and email addresses. So, you know, nothing to worry about. Unless, you know, you consider those items to be personal, sensitive information. Most likely, if that info was accessed, what the hackers would likely do next is launch a phishing attack. And they would launch that at the developers from their, quote, non-sensitive personal info, unquote. So just make sure if you are a dev and you get an email seeming to come from Apple, don't trust it. And don't click on any links. Manually go to the dev center to log in. Do not repeat, do not trust any links sent to you from emails that are looking like they came from Apple asking you to click on a link to go to the Dev Center. Always manually type that in. Don't ever click on links in emails anyway, but most people know that. But again, watch out for phishing attacks if you're a dev. If they did get that information, the usernames and uh, emails, there's definitely going to be a phishing attack coming sometime in the near future. Last week, law enforcement chiefs from San Francisco and New York City met with Apple and Samsung to test their theft deterrent solutions. With Apple, this is the iOS 7's new feature for activation lock. Initial rhetoric from the city officials went like this, quote, While we are appreciative of the efforts made by Apple and Samsung to improve security of the devices they sell, we are not going to take them at their word. Today, we will assess the solutions they are proposing and see if they stand up to the tactics commonly employed by thieves, unquote. This via a joint statement from both lead officials. Both have said that they felt activation lock is an inadequate theft deterrent and have pushed Apple to put in a kill switch that permanently kills the phone. Here is the issue. Why kill the phone permanently if all you need to do is kill it for a period of time until you can get it back? And the hassle of people killing phones in their couch because they thought it was stolen, but it wasn't, uh, that's kind of a pain and it's going to be major issues for any company to have to deal with. So not the best path to go down. That said, both the city officials, Gasson and Schneiderman, made a big to-do about getting together on Thursday of last week to test out the Apple theft deterrent features, saying they would report the results. And then once they tested the iPhones, they said basically, uh, never mind, we'll report at a later date. Seems to me if they were so vocal about it not being adequate and then did real-life testing, they would be quick to pound on their chest to say, hey, see, we told you so, we were right. But that is not what happened last week. So I'm guessing what happened is they could not get around iOS 7's activation lock and did not want to eat crow after being so vocal leading up to the event about needing a, quote, kill switch, unquote. They did, however, give some nice parting shots at Google and Microsoft by saying that neither seemed to be getting the message about smartphone thefts. Again, I think the biggest addition to iOS 7 is activation lock, and that if Apple has done it right, it will greatly help reduce the amount of Apple picking going on, as it will be available to every iOS device running iOS 7 which quickly will be the most of all the iOS devices out there. By the way, Samsung's solution costs their users $30 a year as part of an annual subscription. So yeah, most people will only not be getting that on the Samsung Galaxy side. Not that most Android users update their software anyway, or that really anyone wants to risk going to jail to steal one of them. Just saying. And now I would like to talk to you about this week's sponsor, which is once again Morby Parker. If you wear glasses like me, you know what a pain it is to get new glasses and how expensive it is. My last pair cost more than a 64 gig iPhone, especially after the eyeglass store put on all their adders, uh, UV this and special coating that. But Warby Parker is not like that. First, on the price side for prescription glasses, they are $95 or you can go titanium for $145 and that includes the UV coating in a very nice case, no upsells. And these are nice, fashionable glasses. How the process works is you go to warbyparker.com and you pick out five pairs of glasses you want to try on, or as they call it, their home try-on. And they ship you the five pair out at no cost to you. 
you try them on for a few days, pick out the pair that you like best, and then send them all back. Shipping is covered both ways. Then once you pick the pair you like best, you go online and you enter in your prescription information and place the order. At that point, for TII listeners, you put in the promo code TII and you get free three-day shipping on the final pair. And that is it. It was really an easy process. My Warby Parker glasses are my day-to-day glasses, day in, day out. So they are not just an advertiser. They are who I got my primary glasses from. I mean, I literally, I wake up in the morning, I reach over to the nightstand, put my glasses on. I go to bed at night. I take them off and put them on the nightstand as I turn the lights out. So I'm wearing them. If I'm conscious, I've got my Warby Parker glasses on or I'm in the shower. You can see my glasses on me in my picture on the banner for Warby Parker over at todayinios.com or in the album artwork for episode 260. You can go right now on your iOS device to warbyparker.com and pick your five pairs and get them sent to you as for the try-on at no cost. But let's say after you try on the five pair, you and your significant other cannot agree on the pair. Simply send them all back and pick out another five pairs and repeat still at no cost for you for the try-ons. They have a lot of great styles and the site is really easy to see the different styles and colors and how they look. And for iOS users that are starting to trombone on your iPhone, they also have a monocle. So you can use that as a reading glass to see the small font on your iPhone screen. Just saying. Plus, you know, nothing says cool like a monocle. Except maybe knowing that when you buy a pair of glasses with Warby Parker, here's the absolute best part. They give a pair to a third world charity. So in summary, you shop hassle-free, get days to try on your five pairs at home to pick the ones you really like best. You pay one-third to one-fifth what you normally pay for glasses. And by buying a pair, you're helping out someone in a third world country to get a pair of glasses as well. Win, win, and win. Again, remember when you do buy a pair, use promo code TII at the checkout for your purchase pair to get free three-day shipping. Thanks, Warby Parker, for sponsoring this show. Hey, Rob, it's Levi of Riverside, California. You had a caller call in about audiobooks and iTunes Match. Uh, as far as I know, audiobooks are not backed up. I know my personal audiobooks are not. Even your purchased audiobooks are not. Kind of like how they just started, what, like a year or two ago? They started uh, allowing you to re-download your movies and music and even now some movies still are not available even if you purchase them it's not in your purchased library I, well at least that's just me I am a heavy heavy audiobook user I probably got like 370 gigs of audiobooks and the only way he would be able to get those audiobooks into iTunes Match as far as I have done myself is you have to go into every file extension for every M4B and change it to M4A and then you have to redrag it back into iTunes once you do that then you resync iTunes Match and then you should be good to go but it'll take a lot of work in the future you might want to just purchase his books through audible.com which is used to be one of the backers of the show and even if you cancel your membership you can still have access to download your books for life so hope this helps you got a caller calling about needing a 3.5 male to 3.5 female headphone jack extension urban ears has one that's just a u-r-b-a-n ears They've got a really small jack on the male side. Actually, I've got probably like three or four of these because I love their headphones. Talk to you later, Rob. Love the show. Levi, thanks for the feedback. Into the email bag we go. Hi, Rob. Per the caller asking about reminder backups, Tootledo, T-O-O-D-L-E-D-O, has an option automatically sync reminders to Tootledo. Regards, John M., well, John, thank you for that information. That's an app we have mentioned before on the show. Back to the bag. Hi, Rob. For Carrie in episode 275, try Habu, H-A-B-U. It does its own analysis and creates playlists based on multiple modes 
categorization or to use their words, mood-centric playlist. Regards, Lenny in Chester, UK. Well, thanks, Lenny, for your help on that. And again, that was Habu, H-A-B-U. Hey, Rob. I am a developer and love the new iOS 7 feature for autofill and Safari. Filling out simple contact info such as name, phone, address is a breeze. I wanted to know if you or your audience know of an application that would allow you to autofill a PDF file with the same information on iOS. For example, I receive a form at least once a day on PDF that requires my contact info. It would be awesome if an app could pull that info into the form and autofill it with my information knowing where all the applicable fields were on the document. Thanks for your help. Regards, Jeff B. Hi, Jeff. I do not know of an app for autofilling PDF docs. Not sure if there is such an app for iOS devices, if it's even possible, but maybe someone listening knows of such an app or has even developed it. If so, please send an email to todayinios at gmail.com and let us know. Hey, Rob. This is Rich from Sunny Hot, Phoenix, Arizona. And I'm calling in in with regard to a gentleman by the name of DR from New Zealand. I believe he was looking for an app for, I believe, what we would call here Top Warner in the States, where he could update parents as to the statistics of the children and how they're doing on the field. Um, I use a Game Changer. It's a free app. It can be used for any type of sports, but I believe if you wanted to get your kids staff, you would also have to download the uh, app Game Changer also. But it's a very new app. It shows all the stats. For example, for like Little League, it would show the kids' stats, his game time, positions he played, his hitting average. And it would also tally them up for the year. It's a very, very, very excellent app. I highly, highly recommend it. It's called Game Changer again. And that was for VR in New Zealand. Hey, uh, keep up the good work, TI, and we'll talk to you later, man. Rich, thanks for the heads up on Game Changer. And that is one word, Game Changer. And that is a free app in the iTunes App Store. I don't think that's what DR was looking for. I think he was looking for managing uh, text messages that he sends out to his parents. But I'm sure there's quite a few other parents that listen to the show that Game Changer would be a good app for. And that one covers baseball, softball, and basketball. And again, it's a free app called Game Changer, one word, in the iTunes App Store. Back into the news. Sometime in this past quarter, Apple hit a milestone in that they sold more iPhones all time than they have sold iPods all time. Now, when you consider it on the revenue side, the iPhone blew away the iPods all time for sales and, I mean, revenue. Um, Probably quite a while ago, they've passed them. But in unit sales, it was just this past quarter where the iPhone passed the iPod in sales. There are now over 380 million iPhones and over 380 million iPods that have been sold all time. Apple, in its quest to create the Better Map app, has acquired two mapping services, HopStop and then also Locationary. HopStop gives users door-to-door transit, walking, biking, and taxi directions in over 300 cities worldwide. Locationary, well, according to their site, does the following. Quote, creates a neutral platform that distributors could use to broadcast data and their subscribers could use to blend data from multiple sources into the highest quality composites, unquote. Uh, yeah. But somehow that is related to maps, and it is being reported as an acquisition to help Apple Maps. Since it takes a while for any of these acquisitions to roll their way into iOS, probably will not be talking about this one until iOS 8 or iOS 9 at the earliest. And even then, for a location area, I'm not sure what we'd be talking about. Following up a little more on the tragic story of the Chinese woman that was electrocuted when answering her phone after just getting out of the bathtub, it does now look like there was a third-party charger involved, which is what I said was likely the case on the last episode. Nothing official yet from Apple or anyone in China on the situation, but again, it does look like it was a third-party charger, and it was an iPhone 4, not an iPhone 5. Over on the site Quartz, They have an article looking at all the evidence out there to support Apple making a full-on TV. Some of this comes from the rumor of Apple reportedly buying the Israeli company PrimeSense, which created the motion-sensing tech first used in Microsoft's Kinect. 
This, they figured, would be used to allow you to make gestures to change channels and control the TV overall. They state that Apple would not be looking to add this tech aftermarket to TVs as tacking on to a TV does not seem very Apple-ish, but rather having the TV built with the technology inside it does. Add to that apps and you have some reasons they claim Apple will do a TV. No mention of 4K video support which I'm still sticking to that an Apple TV will have support for it will be a 4K TV. Sticking over on the rumor side, more and more pictures are starting to roll out about a plastic lower cost iPhone. Let's not call it low cost, let's just call it lower cost iPhone. Some photos show multiple colors or per slash gear. There are multiple photos of a pastel green case for a low cost or lower cost iPhone. I just did it. A lower cost iPhone up against a released iPhone 5. It looks like the screen size will remain the same. Actually, it looks like it is pretty much a good matchup size-wise with the iPhone 5 and does not appear to simply be a case made to fit the iPhone 5. I think what I find most surprising is that if this is the lower cost iPhone, that it is or appears to be the same screen size as the iPhone 5. I would have thought it would be cheaper to design and manufacture the lower cost iPhone if it was a bigger or a little bit bigger on the screen size, but with the same resolution. So you're looking at a lower pixel density, so you get a higher yield on the screens, plus making it slightly bigger, you get a bigger package, and you're not cramming so much stuff in a small space. And it makes it easier to design and then easier to build. So you know that would lead to lower costs. But so far, there have not been any photo leaks to suggest that there's a larger-sized iPhone, lower-cost, larger-sized iPhone coming anytime soon. Just a plastic version of the iPhone 5 with the same basic dimensions. By the way, I went back and looked at last year's rumors, and the first rumor picture that was leaked of what became the iPhone 5 was leaked at the end of May. So the first time a photo of what was the iPhone 5 actually made it out to the world was end of May for the end of September launch. So at this point in time, what I'm really thinking we're going to see based on photos and everything else is end of September, we're going to see the iPhone 5S, which will be the same package uh, as the iPhone 5, which is why we haven't seen any real leaks at this point. Then maybe in October, end of October, sometime in November, released at least to the BRIC countries, Brazil, Russia, India, China, is going to be the lower cost iPhone. Maybe released to the United States and Europe, but more than likely, in my opinion, they're going to release it to the BRIC nations first, and of those probably to China Mobile. If you're listening to this sometime after November of 2013, don't laugh too hard. It was just speculation at this point in time. Into the email bag. Hello, Rob. With AT&T and Verizon following in T-Mobile's footsteps for yearly upgrade plans, are you going to be joining that plan and have the latest iPhone every year? Regards, Sebastian. Um, no. Here's why not. One, I'm eligible for an upgrade now. So when the iPhone 5S comes out in the next couple of months, I can get it at the subsidized price anyway which for me will be much cheaper than the AT&T Next plan. Plus, if I'm going to pay what works out to be full price spread out over 20 months, I'd rather go with a cheaper plan and go to T-Mobile. What I see from AT&T and Verizon does not make any sense or sense for me at least. Plus, I like to hold on to my old devices, which in this plan with AT&T and the one by Verizon, you must turn in the old devices. So yeah, I'll not be signing up for any plan that requires me to turn in my old iPhone. They become friends and almost like part of the family. I just can't discard them like that. That's, that's mean and heartless. Says the guy that not only has every Apple product he's ever purchased, but the boxes to every Apple product he's ever purchased. Switching gears. Great news for Android developers. Just when they thought all the best SDKs were iOS first or iOS only, they're given a shining beacon of hope with a new binder kit that is being advertised as the first ever Android remote access tool app binder and builder. And this one is just for Android. This dev kit will allow unskilled users to easily package up apps. Quote, 
this tool is lowering the bar for people entering the space, unquote, said Vikram Thakur, who continued, quote, but it is only one piece of the puzzle. The user still has to figure out how to monetize it, unquote, which, yeah, all sounds standard for any dev, but having a toolkit that lowers the barrier to entry usually means you have more or a lot more entries and more competition to monetize setups. Oh, and did we mention this is all about building malware? Yeah, this kit is being advertised in the hacker underground markets, and it allows the entry-level hackers to take legit apps, add some malware, and repackage them so they look still like legit apps. And the malware, in this case, does the normal Android malware stuff, allowing the criminals to remotely monitor the Android device, making phone calls, sending SMS messages, accessing GPS info, using the camera, microphone, or getting access to them, and accessing stored files. You know, nothing too serious or anything like that. Just all good fun and games on the Android side. Ironically, Mr. Thakur from Symantec ends the article by saying, if somebody is offering you a free version of an app that you would have to pay for somewhere else, think twice. Nothing is free. Too bad Samsung, HTC, and Sony didn't heed that warning before getting into bed with Android. Just saying. So Microsoft just wrote off $900 million for unsold inventory of their Surface RT. And what did they do next? Well, they released a commercial slamming the iPad, of course, which both the uh, ad and the write-down come after they slashed and burned the price of the RT tablet a week earlier. I mean, really, why would anyone buy an RT tablet at $349 when you can get the iPad mini for less? Of course, with Microsoft writing off the inventory, maybe people should just wait for an HP-type fire sale. Uh, where MS drops the price to $100. I mean, how long can it be for the true slash and burn pricing of 100 bucks? Or maybe they could have a special. Spend $100 on a Surface RT tablet keyboard and you get a free Surface RT tablet. Sounds like a good deal to me. Hey, Rob, it's Kevin Crossman from Fremont, California. For the caller who wanted to know if there was some sort of way to manage songs that she liked or something to put those into some sort of playlist, you could use the star ratings that you can do in the music app and create a smart playlist in iTunes in order to say, you know, only give five star songs and put those into a playlist. Uh, it would require a computer running iTunes, uh, so you can't do it completely on the iOS device, but that would be a pretty common way of addressing this particular use case. Kevin, thanks for the feedback. Hi, Rob. For the listener asking about the app needing a front-facing camera, unfortunately, if a developer wants to support iOS 4.3 and greater, but restrict the iPad 1 users from installing the build, usually for performance reasons, the only way to do this is to use the UI device required capabilities key in the application's info.plist file to require the front-facing camera. iPad 1 does not have a front-facing camera, so it will not allow the build to be installed. This is exactly the approach taken by Apple when iPhoto for iOS was released. It is a terrible hack, but necessary in this case. I've used the approach with a number of applications with no problems, however, the apps did use the camera, so I agree that it does not seem or it seems a little bit less creepy when I did it. Regards, Eric. Hi, Eric. Thanks for that answer. And also to Andrus and others that sent in similar responses, I guess one should never blame on malice, which can easily be explained by incompetence or a terrible hack. Hi, Rob. Can you discuss why some apps require location services to be turned on when it appears the app does not need them? Examples include some apps that store files, pics, PhotoSafe Pro, amongst others I have seen. Regards, John S. Hi, John. Photo apps I can see needing location info since one way to sort photos is by where they were taken. So that makes sense. Some other apps, however, like game apps that are free, need location info for the ad-serving networks that supply them revenue to support that app so it is free to you to use. So my feeling is that if an app is free and it asks for your location info 
is likely for ad networks they are working with. And that, well, is how they're able to make it free to you. So don't be offended or worried when a free app asks for your location. Just understand that it's probably doing so because of advertising. Hi, Rob. I found this feature in iOS 7 Beta 3. If you put a panorama shot as your wallpaper on the lock screen and move your phone as you would taking a panorama shot, the wallpaper will move with the shot with you. Anyway, I thought it was interesting. Regards, Nathan. Nathan, thanks for the feedback. Yeah, I wanted to try that out, but unfortunately right now I only have my iPhone 4 running iOS 7, so I can't do that because Panorama is not available to the iPhone 4. Hey, Rob, just happened upon a neat Apple TV trick. With the latest update, you can use AirPlay, which for me means that I can listen to the audio over my stereo system using Airport Express rather than through my weak TV speakers. This adjustment can be made in settings by clicking AirPlay, but there is another easier way. When playing music or a video on Apple TV, all you need to do is hold down the select button. That's the silver one in the center of the remote. This will give you a context-sensitive menu that will include the item speakers so you can change airplay without having to leave the song or movie. Regards, Jeff and Burbank. Jeff, thanks for that very cool Apple TV trick. Hi guys, it's Brett from Australia. Uh, if you were there for the mid-80s playing with computers, you might have owned a Commodore Amiga 500. And uh, my latest app is an emulator for that computer running uh, one of its uh, original floppy disk images, which is Megaball by Ed and L. Mackey. It's a, a bound emulator to that game because I've got to comply with App Store stuff uh, as much as I'd like to open it up. Uh, it does allow you to see the workbench screen for a bit of nostalgia. You can do that by turning the drive off. Uh, it has a, a virtual cheat cartridge so you can selectively enable some power-ups and lives and whatnot and then it also supports the game's original cheats uh, which the game knows about so you can't cheat high scores that way. I think I'm the first with high score saving for an emulator. I'm not quite sure yet but probably the first Amiga so I think I've got that one. Also, the game does change the content. Well, the app changes the game's content dynamically, which is uh, another little magic trick. But it's free, so try it out. It's called Megaball. Cheers. Breck, thanks for a heads up on your app, Megaball. That's one word, Megaball, and that is free in the iTunes App Store. Love seeing the old 8-bit emulators getting into the iOS store and some of the apps. Waiting for Captain Beeble. Someone needs to do Captain Beebles for me. I will talk about that on the show for a month, two months, maybe even three. Switching gears, this week we have a Kickstarter project called MyType, one word, which, as the name might indicate, is a keyboard. And yes, a Bluetooth keyboard, which you can use with your iOS device. This project had a very Rob approves of goal of just $10,000, and they hit that and then some with over $75,000 raised and counting. What is unique about this keyboard compared to others out there is this is a flexible keyboard and it folds in half so you can put it in your pocket, making this keyboard very portable. And it looks to have a good tactile feedback from the keys. The size of the keyboard when closed is 6.8 inches by 3.6 inches by 0.35 inches. To put that into perspective, the iPad mini is 7.87 inches by 5.3 inches by 0.28 inches. So it is smaller than the iPad mini length and width and just slightly thicker. Pricing on this is $59 and they'll be shipping in October. Well, actually early shipping is for September, which are all sold out. So if you're looking for a nice Christmas present for your significant other, this is a good one. Remember it is Kickstarter, so it might wind up being a Valentine's Day present. You have until August 1st at 11.59 p.m. Eastern time to get in on this one. Over at kickstarter.com, search for my type, one word spelled M-Y-T-Y-P-E. So the Pebble smartwatch is now at Best Buy for $149.99, which kind of pissed off a few Pebble Kickstarter funders that have not yet received their Pebble watches. Seems like Pebble should have made sure to ship out and fill all Kickstarter orders before starting to ship to Best Buy. Just saying. Guess that will make it a little easier for some to jump ship to the iWatch when Apple releases it. Into the email bag on this. Hi Rob, finally got my Pebble. It has a Kickstarter edition label on the back. <laughs> Side note here, well that makes up for it. Um, which is kind of cool. And currently I'm sporting my Apple Eats Android watch face, which I generated 
over at watchface-generator.de. So that's watchface-generator.de. So far, I love it. Can't wait to see what new apps and features are in the Pebble's future. Regards, Dave T. Thanks to all that sent in info on this next one, which is that both Google Maps and Chrome Maps for iOS had major updates last week, and they are available now. Hence, updates available last week, I guess. One of the updates for Chrome is tighter integration with Google Maps and other Google Apps. Part of the big Google Maps app update is finally native support or universal support for iPads. There are also many other minor changes to both. If you are an active user of the Google ecosystem, then the updates to Chrome in particular will be good news for you as you can set in preferences to open up links with Google Apps. Uh, such as the Google Maps app, Google Plus, and YouTube instead of via the Chrome browser. Speaking of all this, we have an email. Hey Rob, I haven't seen this in the news, but there was a note about a recent update to Google Maps app. I am an iOS developer, and just at the beginning of last week, I was looking at how to incorporate Google Street View into an iOS app. I found it very frustrating that, in my opinion, the one important differentiator of Google Maps from Apple Maps was not available in the Google Maps SDK for iOS. I even posted to the Stack Overflow about it. Uh, then in the latest release, which was published July 17th, they added Street View to Google Maps SDK for iOS. I'm very happy now. Regards, Dell. Hi, Rob. This is Bob down in Spartanburg, South Carolina. I have a warning to listeners and also a problem I hope you can help me with. The first thing is I was at a flea market and purchased a 30 pin to lightning adapter for $4.95. It works to charge the phone, but it will not pass audio or video. Just a warning to, so that you get what you pay for. Uh, also, on the uh, question, I have noticed in the last update of iTunes that it has broken the home sharing feature of iTunes. It seems like every time my PC goes to sleep, I lose the uh, connection to home sharing and have to stop home sharing and restart home sharing to uh, get it working again. I'm wondering if you could help me with that, if any of your re your listeners have any idea on how to fix that problem. No problem before, but since the last update to iTunes, it seems to be a problem. Thanks a lot. Take care. Have a great day. Bob, thanks for the heads up on the Lightning to 30-pin dock connector. And per your question on home sharing and a PC and home sharing going away, if anyone out there on a PC uses home sharing and has seen this issue and has a fix for it, give us a call, 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG. Or send an email to todayinios at gmail.com. Back to the email bag. Hey, Rob. FYI, I was just at Michael's Arts and Crafts Store, and they had $25 iTunes gift cards on sale for $20. 20% discount. No limit on the number you can purchase. I always stock up when I find sales and thought maybe other listeners would like to know. It is a back-to-school promo, but I'm not sure if this is just in my area. Nationwide sales run through 727, so July 27th. Thanks again for all you do. Regards, Missy M. Bellbrook, Ohio. Missy, thanks for the heads up. And also thanks to Jim M. that spotted the $25 iTunes gift card for sale at Bed Bath & Beyond, also for $20, which that sale is running through July 25th. So if you're near a Michaels or Bed Bath and & Beyond and it's before the 25th for Bed Bath & Beyond or before the 27th for Michaels, you can go save yourself some money on some iTunes gift cards. Hi, Rob. I was wondering, do you think that sometime in the future, Apple will change the icon to a live icon like the Windows 8 live tiles? I wish they would. Regards, Alon from Israel. Hi, Alon. Apple kind of, sort of, has a live icon on iOS 7 as a second hand is moving on the clock app. But will they allow something like that for a third-party app? Probably not anytime soon. Hi, Rob. Now that Flickr has greatly increased the amount of storage you can have there, I have started to upload some of my pictures. Some of the pros, I have uploaded thousands of photos so far. Two, the memory usage on Flickr is trivial. Great feeling to see all that space. Three, in addition to iPhoto, I found and use Flickr Uploader, spelled Flickr space Uploader with D-R, no 
E-R at the end. It's a free Mac app from the Flickr, Flickr Tools website. This latter application permits increased photo filing features. For if you have to download many photos at once, a Mac app called Bulkr, B-U-L-K-R, works very well. It is free with limits. To unlock the app, there is a one-time fee. The free version is good enough for me. Five, on the iOS side, Flickering is a great app, F-L-I-C-K-R-I-N-G. No problems with the app so far, uploading and downloading. The developer has produced other apps than I've used and knew that their work is high quality. The app is $2.99 and not universal. You'll have to pay for the iPad and iPhone versions. Con. The Flickr plugin for iPhoto sometimes displays a scary pop-up window stating that your previously uploaded album has been removed from Flickr. I would see this message when beginning to upload the next album. There were times when the album was deleted from Flickr and others when it wasn't. I don't know why the plugin reacted like this, but the solution is to upload all your photos and verify that they do reside on Flickr before deleting them from your PC. Of course, have the photos backed up somewhere else as well. Two, when iPhoto plugin showed that weirder behavior I described above, I began a search for another upload app and found Flickr Uploader. The only problem I've encountered here is that the app sometimes deletes images from the queue that it failed to upload. Therefore, you must attempt to reload the images by beginning the process again, including entering of the photo meta metadata. This only happened once. Again, don't delete images unless you backed up and uploads are verified. And three, Flickr produces its own free iOS app, but it is optimized for the iPhone, will work on the iPad with resolution compromises. The user experience is significantly better if you're using Flickering. Regards, Tony V, Brooklyn, New York. Tony, thanks for that great feedback on Flickr uploads and taking advantage of all that great Flickr space that's now there for your photos. Hi, I'm Carol Baskin from Big Cat Rescue. I've listened to every single episode that you've ever put out, and I am not an app developer, but I thought that this app that I just created might be something interesting for your people. It's an application that is a virtual tour of Big Cat Rescue, which is the world's largest accredited sanctuary that's dedicated entirely to big cats like lions, tigers, and leopards. But what's unique about the app is that it was created in TourBuddy, and it was so easy. I did it in a matter of about two days and had 105 cats. And what it is is like a walking tour through the sanctuary where you see the photograph of the cat and you can press a button to hear that cat's story being told to you or you can read the story as well. There's also a map in there so that you can see everywhere this cat lives on the property at the sanctuary. Again, thank you so much for your show and I hope you'll share this app with others. Bye. Carol, thank you for the heads up on your app. Big Cat Rescue, three words, free in the iTunes App Store. Into the email bag. Hi, Rob. The app Video and Video is perfect for all my needs. A huge thanks to all those that helped with the suggestion. Regards, Daniel. Hey, Rob. Do you have any thoughts on when the next iPod Touch will be released? Do you think they'll make any updates to the hardware or just drop the pricing on the current models? Regards, Mike from Orlando. Mike, my guess would be that yes, they would update the iPod Touch and they would do so in the October time frame, probably about three to four weeks after the new iPhone is released. Per what will be involved in this update, better processor, a little bit more RAM, and probably a better camera. Probably nothing really that's going to be overly surprising. Maybe some new features that are in the latest iPhone when it's announced in September. Hi Rob, I would like to see in the next iPhone a wrist strap like that on the iPod Touch 4th Gen because the iPhone has become the most used camera in the world. It would make sense to me to, that they could put this strap on one so it would not drop it while I'm snapping a photo, especially while taking a picture while leaning over the end of a boat, for example. Thanks for listening, Dave from New Jersey. Hi Dave, I'm going to guess that your example may have been a real world story maybe just kind of sort of uh, are they going to put a wrist strap on it no not going to do that you want to do that get a case there's a lot of cases out there and some cases do have the wrist strap so apple's going to keep it as sleek as possible so do not expect to see a wrist strap on the iphone 5s 
Hi Rob, I have an iPhone 5 and an iPad mini. The Safari history only goes back seven days. I would like to keep the history for much longer than that. It's frustrating to lose the history as I surf on short breaks and the like. I know I can bookmark, by the way. Do you know uh, any way I can keep the history? My phone is not jailbroken, so that is not an option. Regards, Mike. Well, Mike, in iOS 7, when you go and do a search in Safari now, they'll show you some you know, top hits, top sites that you've visited in the past, and that does go beyond seven days. But if you go into history, it still stops at the seven days. That said, I'm sure there's got to be a third-party browser app out there that keeps history for a longer period of time. If anyone knows of a third-party browser that has history longer than seven days, Please let us know, 206-666-6364, that's 206-MOON-DOG, or send an email to todayinios at gmail.com. Some news out of Verizon's quarterly call. Last quarter, Verizon activated 7.5 million smartphones, of which 51% were iPhones. Of the 7.5 million smartphones activated, 5.4 million were LTE, meaning only 2.1 million were 3G, that means worst case of the 3.8 million iPhones sold, 1.7 were iPhone 5s. But sadly, no other info was giving. It looks as if the iPhone 5 was again about 50% of the iPhones sold uh, versus the iPhone 4 and 4S. But let's not lose sight of the fact that 51% of smartphones activated last quarter at Verizon were iPhones. And how really impressive that is when you think that the iPhone 5 was on average seven and a half months old versus the newly launched Galaxy S4. So not only did the iPhone kick the S4's butt, it kicked the collective butts of every smartphone Verizon cells combined. That includes Windows phones, Androids, and Blackberries. So at Verizon, the biggest carrier in the U.S., Year over year, there was a 44% increase in iPhone sales. Add to that the launch of the iPhone at T-Mobile, which again was about half of the smartphone sales last quarter, and Apple's promotion work in India. And I just don't see how anyone is predicting that iPhone sales for this past quarter are going to be 26 million or lower, which is what it was a year ago quarter. Again, I, I just don't see how that's possible. But hey, in a few minutes, you're going to hear the answer. And from the last episode, I made these predictions. Quote, I will venture to say Apple will have sold 28.5 million iPhones last quarter. For iPads, I think we will see about 16.75 million iPads sold last quarter. Unquote. So how did I do? Or more importantly, how did Apple do last quarter? Well, on the iPhone side, much, much better than most predicted. Apple sold 31.2 million iPhones last quarter versus 26 million the year ago quarter and 37.4 million last quarter. So definitely good news on the iPhone side and much higher than my optimistic prediction. Actually, it was better than all of the analyst predictions save one. That was Matt Liu of the Brayburn Group, and he had a guess of 32 million iPhones sold. So he was the closest to the mark. Next closest was 30 million by a few people. On top of that, Apple reduced channel inventory by 600,000 units, so year over year, the increase was even more than the 26 to 31.2 million numbers that were indicated. In the U.S., iPhone sales were up 51% year over year, and they were up 56% in Japan year over year. On the iPad side, they were lower than my predictions coming in at 14.6 million iPads sold last quarter versus 17 million the year ago quarter. Uh, when the iPad 3rd gen was launched and 19.5 million in the last quarter. So I guess 14.6 million number kind of should have been expected given the newest iPad mini uh, shipped in November and there has been nothing new on the iPad side and the no launch since November timeframe, October when the, the full size iPad launched. But still, a bit disappointing news there, and I'm sure what most of the blogs will focus on in the days and weeks to come is iPad sales, and they'll forget about everything else. On the analyst side, William Power at Baird Group, or Baird, I don't even know its group, just William Power at Baird, was the closest, with a guess of 14.49 million iPads sold. He actually was pretty close on the iPhones, too, with 29.02 million predicted. That put him fourth on the iPhone list for predictions. 
Well done, Mr. Power. One thing Apple pointed out is that for the iPad, there was a drop in inventory of 700K units in the quarter versus an increase in channel inventory in the year before quarter. So when you look at what happened overall, the drop from 17 million to 14.6 million was really not even that big. It was just, they said it's a couple percent off from the year ago. And again, you have to keep it in perspective. No new product launched since November, October timeframe for iPads now versus last time there was a brand new iPad that had just been launched, the Retina iPad. Tim Cook also mentioned some web traffic stats just released for tablets where the iPad had 84% of all tablet traffic, and that is an increase over the quarter. So regardless of what is being shipped and maybe sold by the other guys, the end users don't seem to be doing a very basic thing with those tablets, and that is surfing the web. So keep that in mind when your Android fanboys try to tell you there's something wrong with iPad sales iPod sales dropped again as expected to 4.6 million units. Well, it wasn't expected to drop to 4.6 million. It was just expected to drop down from 6.8 million in the year ago quarter and 5.6 million last quarter. Percent of iPod touches, not given as usual. Cash on hand is now at 146.6 billion, up 1.9 billion for the quarter from 144.7 billion previously. However, during the quarter, Apple did distribute $18.8 billion in the way of dividends and stock buybacks and had a net cash flow of $7.8 billion. The numbers don't add up. That's because Apple issued bonds, i.e. borrowed money, to do the stock buybacks rather than repatriate the cash from overseas. Overall, revenue for the last quarter was $35.3 billion. That is up slightly year over year from $35 billion and most analysts were expecting a drop there year over year. To put revenue in perspective for Apple versus Google versus Microsoft, in calendar year 2013, Google has generated $28.1 billion. Microsoft has generated $39.7 billion in revenue. That is all year 2013 for each company for all their product lines. By comparison, the iPhone line alone for 2013 has generated $41.1 billion. Yes, the iPhone line alone in 2013, two quarters with no new product launches, the iPhone line generated more revenue than all of Microsoft and all of Google, actually generated over 46% more revenue than all of Google for the year. And then when you look at all of Apple revenue for the year, it's $78.9 billion. That is more than Google and Microsoft combined. So when you read posts about Apple having a dismal quarter, quote unquote, which they're out there, keep that in perspective. Tim Cook was asked on the call about upcoming products and he said, quote, we have a busy fall, more details in October, unquote. Now, I'm not sure if that means no new products until October or that the next time they will get the gang all together for a quarterly conference call will be October when he will give more details. Oh, damn you, King of Doublespeak. Why can't you give us one good piece of info to go by? Before we wrap it up, uh, one thing I do want to say, some bad news. XREC, the app I mentioned in the beginning for doing recording of your iPhone, uh, doing screen recordings, it's already been pulled from the iTunes App Store. So XREC, the X-R-E-C, that's gone. Sorry, folks. Should have probably sent a push, but it did have some bad reviews. Now... I do want to remind you to send in your feedback to the show, 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG. Or record your feedback and email it to the show at todayinios at gmail.com. Feedback can be a question or comment for something someone said on this episode. Or it can be a question or rant you have about something else someone said or whatever you want. An app, a product review, good or bad, as long as it's iOS related, it is welcomed. I'm always looking for new artwork to feature that you've created on iOS device. Just put some TII branding on it and send it in. And, of course, we're always looking for more music created on iOS device to play on the show. This is your show, and your feedback is greatly desired. And a big thanks once more to today's sponsor, Warby Parker. Go to warbyparker.com to get your five pairs of glasses to try on for free, shipped right to your door. Then when you find a pair you like, when you are checking out, use the promo code TII to get Free three-day shipping on the pair of that glasses that you purchase. 
great glasses, great pricing, and a great cause. WarbyParker.com. Use promo code TII when you're purchasing your pair. And that's going to do it for us today. Until the next time, I'm your host, Rob, from Today in iOS, reminding you to phone different. This show is hosted on Libsyn.com and part of the Wizard Media Network. If you are looking for hosting, go to Libsyn.com. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N.com for hosting for your podcast and for creation of your own smartphone app. The Today in iOS podcast can also be found on the free Stitcher radio app. Just search for T-I-I.